told you to open to Matthew chapter 23. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called The Masks That We Wear. And we're not really talking about this mask. Uh, We're grateful for this mask. We're grateful that this thing can keep us safe. Grateful to each and every one of you for wearing these and taking that uncomfortable step to participate, to help keep our church family safe when you come in here. I'm not talking about the physical mask. We're talking about the emotional mask that we wear the relational masks, the spiritual masks that we put on. Uh, As many of you know, uh, about three months ago, my family, we ordered a a new set of knives. And as we were pulling the knives out of the packaging, there was one that wouldn't come out. And I yanked on it like a brilliant individual. And I sliced my hand open pretty good. And I I gave myself an almost three-inch cut on my left hand. And I severed a nerve uh, that controls my pointer finger. So I had to have surgery, reconstructive surgery for my nerve. Uh, And after the surgery, I had to go to physical therapy. And when I went to physical therapy, this was obviously in the post-COVID world, right? So I'm wearing a mask. The physical therapists are wearing a mask. I go in. This guy greets me. He gets me started. Um, And he was not the main physical therapist, but he was kind of like my go-to guy throughout my sessions. And so I'd go in, and I'd see him, and he'd get me seated and get me started and seemed like a really nice guy. And about my third or fourth session that I went, I came in, and I was surprised He wasn't there. I looked around and I didn't see him. I was like, okay, you know, maybe he's off today, whatever. No big deal. Uh, And then this guy walks up and he starts talking to me. And as soon as he starts talking, I recognized his voice. It was the same guy. But he wasn't wearing a mask that day. And so unknowingly, I had created for him a whole face that was not his face. Uh, this was not the nose I expected. This was not the mouth I expected. This was, there was nothing there. His chin, nothing looked like what I imagined him to look like. Uh, and somehow I had created this whole perception of this individual that wasn't real. And I wonder how many of us as believers are walking around and we've created a whole perception for people of what we really look like. And it's not true. And at some point in time, they get behind the mask. At some point in time, they catch us off guard. At some point in time, we allow them to see the real us, and it's very uncomfortable. It's really off-putting. It's really unsettling for them because they say, that's not who I thought that you were. You see, God is inviting us and calling us to authenticity. And he's calling us to be people of integrity. Integrity means that we're the same no matter our situation. I'm the same person standing up here behind a pulpit as I am in my bedroom, as I am driving down Goodman Road in rush hour traffic, as I am in a rush at Kroger. And in whatever the situation is, I'm the same person, right? That's the call that God has for us, the call of integrity. And that's not to say that I'm living up to that, right? I have masks that I put on that God is dealing with me and convicting me to to take off as well. So I'm, I'm not suggesting that I've got this together. What I am suggesting is that God has something better that he's inviting me to and inviting you to. And so that's what we're doing in this series is we're discovering, first of all, how to be aware of the masks that we're wearing. And secondly, how do we take them off? And so last week we started this uh, with our, our first message and I was only able to get like halfway through. So this is like 1B off of last week's message. And so my goal is each week in this series, I want to share with you one mask that, that a different kind of mask that we wear, a different kind of mask that God wants us to take off. We didn't get into one last week. We will get into one this week uh, and then another one next week, etc. But before we do that, I want to just kind of build a little bit of foundation, just a little quick review of a couple things that we learned last week to set us up for today's message. The first thing is this. When we wear a mask, 
there's at least three people that are hurt. There's at least three, three groups, three individuals that are harmed when I wear a mask. The first one is this, that my mask hurts me. My mask hurts me because it deprives me of your encouragement. If I'm going through something and, and I'm trying to act like I've got everything together and nothing's wrong, it keeps you from stepping into my life and encouraging me and helping pick me up. It also keeps you, if I've got a mask of, of something that I'm doing, some sin area, and I'm hiding that from you, it keeps you from holding me accountable. It keeps you from being to step in and, and say, man, I know you can do better. Let me help you with this. It keeps you from stepping in and sharing your testimony of how God has delivered you from that same struggle, right? So, so it hurts me because it's shielding me from the help of God's people that he's designed for me to have. It's preventing God's people from getting in and helping me. It also hurts me because, let's just be real, these things are heavy, Right, man, if you start putting on a mask on a daily basis, there's a weight that you carry. It becomes difficult. Each lie leads to another lie that we have to tell, and it becomes this, this very miserable, very challenging thing. We talked about last week how Pastor Rick Bazette wrote a book called Be Real Because Fake is Exhausting, and it's true. Man, being fake, putting on a front, trying to pretend I'm something and project that I'm something that I'm not is exhausting. It requires so much work and so much effort. And so I hurt myself because I'm, I'm focusing on creating this image, on creating this picture that isn't real rather than actually putting my energy into the things that God has for me, the things he's called me to, the things that he's inviting me into. So my mask hurts myself, number one. Number two, it hurts others. We already talked about how when I wear a mask, it prevents you from encouraging me. It prevents you from holding me accountable. So now I'm cheating you. I'm robbing you of the opportunity to use your spiritual gift. I'm robbing you of the chance to walk in God's call on your life and discover the fulfillment of stepping in and being what God designed you to be. So not only do I hurt myself, I hurt you. How else do I hurt you when I put on a mask? Well, many times... People are very aware of their own struggles, but they feel like nobody else has any because we're all wearing masks. And so when we look around and we see, man, everybody else has it together. Everybody else is walking in the fullness of what God has for them. Everybody else has been, spends time with God every day, and I'm the only one who ever struggles, right? When we feel that way, when the enemy tries to isolate us, it's not because it's reality. It's simply because we've got this false perception of what everybody else's life actually looks like. And so when we take off the mask, we allow one another to see, you know what, I'm not the only one who's struggling. I'm not the only one who's facing challenges and difficulties. And so my mask creates false expectations and false standards for you to try to live up to when I put that on. So that's how it hurts others. Ultimately, my mask, number three, hurts the kingdom of God. I am a representative of Jesus Christ. As someone who's received his salvation, not just as a pastor, obviously as a pastor, the Bible says, I'm going to be held to a higher standard. And that's a scary thing, right? There, there, there's even more weight on me for the position that I have, but set aside the pastoral responsibility, I wear the name of Jesus. I am a Christian, as are you, and that means I'm a little Christ, that when the world looks at me, they see Jesus for better or for worse. In other words, they associate Jesus with all of my behavior, right? That's what they associate with the Savior. And so when I wear a mask, when I walk in a lack of authenticity, and this is where we get it backwards, because a lot of times we wear the mask for that reason. Well, a Christian's supposed to look like this. A Christian's supposed to do this. So I'm going to pretend like I'm this perfect Christian, but the world is not out there looking for perfect Christians. The world's out there looking for people who are real. 
And so we put on this mask, and in the process, we damage the kingdom of God. Because eventually, every mask comes off. Right? Eventually, the world's going to see me for who I really am. Eventually, everything's going to be exposed. The Bible says you can be sure your sins will find you out. And so when I present myself as this ideal Christian, and yet I'm dealing with stuff on the inside that nobody knows about, and eventually that comes to the surface, what does it do? It doesn't just damage my integrity and reputation. It damages the reputation of the kingdom of God. And we can see example after example of celebrity Christians, celebrity pastors, celebrity musicians, whoever it may be, who have fallen publicly and spectacularly and hurt the kingdom in the process. Why does that happen? It happens because those people get comfortable wearing a mask. They get comfortable putting on a front and projecting everything they know that they're supposed to look like and supposed to be, but deep down inside, they haven't wrestled with the junk that they're dealing with and given it to Jesus. And so we're inviting you this week, this month, this series to just take off the mask. We say here at City Church, you're free to struggle here. Man, it's okay for you to have problems here. It's okay for you to have issues. It's okay for you to have stuff that you haven't completely sorted out and figured out. That doesn't mean that we're going to celebrate sin. What that means is while you're dealing with sin and moving towards freedom, embracing the process that Jesus has for you, that it's okay for you to drop the mask and be real about where you're at. That's what we're called to do as his followers. So, We've seen how the masks hurt three different areas. I've told you to turn to Matthew chapter 23, our foundational passage for this series. We only read a couple of these verses last week. I'm going to get into it a little more in depth today. Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, this group of religious leaders, these people who were really good at wearing masks, and he's calling them out on their masks. He's calling them out on their inauthenticity. He's saying, on the outside, you seem like you've got it all together, but I know what's inside. And what's inside doesn't look like my daddy. It doesn't look like the father. And so he pronounces seven woes on the Pharisees. You can go back in Matthew 23 and read all seven of them. I'm going to share three of them with you this morning, starting in verse 23. Jesus says this. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mints, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. What's Jesus saying here? He's dealing with them on the issue of tithing. He confronts them on tithing. He says, look, you guys, you tithe, you obey the law, and you give a 10 per, the 10%. But the reality is you've neglected mercy. You've neglected faithfulness. You've neglected justice. You're worried about this small piece of what I've asked you to do, but you're ignoring the big picture. But notice what he tells them to do. He doesn't say, quit tithing and go do these other things. He says, you should have kept tithing and embraced the other things. And so maybe it's not tithing that you have together, but maybe you've got that go-to thing that you can stand on. Well, hey, I do this. Right? I, t- I invite people to church. I attend church faithfully. Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm generous when I see a homeless person. I help them out, right? Like we find that little go-to thing that we can justify our sin. Well, hey, I do this. And all these people over here, they're not even doing that. So I'm okay. And Jesus says, no, I'm not calling you to just get a little piece of this. I'm calling you to all of it. You see, tithing is important, but it's not a substitute for that which is more important. 
right? And, and so, yes, we tithe. He doesn't say stop tithing. This wasn't a message that, hey, forget about giving. Yes, we need to give. Yes, we need to be generous. But he says, look, if all you're standing on is your generosity, it's not enough. I want you to be like me. I want you to be Christ-like. Verse 25, he says, what are you teachers of the laws and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the, outs- or the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. You ever went to the cupboard and you grabbed a bowl or you grabbed a cup and then you went and you filled it up and you start eating and you start drinking out of that thing and when you get into it, you realize like that thing's filthy on the inside? Like it's dirty, it's nasty. I've had that experience a few times. It's a, it's a jarring experience, isn't it? it? Scares you a little bit and then you're like, man, I'm washing everything in the cabinet. I don't know what else is nasty in there. Like you, you get concerned. You don't know how much of it you already ate. You're like, do I need to go like throw this up? Like where, what's going on, right? Am I gonna get myself sick out of this situation? Jesus says the Pharisees are like that cup. Hey, the outside looked good. I looked at it in the cabinet and hey, this thing's ready. It's been through the wash machine. But the hard work of cleaning the inside hasn't been done. I wonder how many of us are walking around and, man, outside, we look like we got it together. We're, we're, we're worshiping Jesus and we know the right Christian expressions and we know when to say amen and we know all this stuff to look like we've got this great Christian life. But the reality is inside, we need to be washed. We need to be cleansed. We need to be sanctified. He says, woe to you if that's you. He says, first clean the inside of the cup. And the outside will also be clean. In other words, he says, when it comes to spirituality, deal with the inside and the outside will take care of itself. Quit worrying about what everybody thinks about you on the outside. Quit worrying about what everybody sees when they look at your spiritual life. Quit worrying about, man, if people look up to you and think you've got this together. He said, don't worry about that. If you worry about this, that's going to take care of itself. If Jesus is in you, people are going to see Jesus on you, right? Like it's not going to have to be something where you got to prove yourself, where you got to establish yourself. Just let him go to work on the inside. Verse 27 He says, woe to you, teachers of the the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. It's the most powerful picture to me, not just in these seven woes in Matthew chapter 23, but for me, this is the most powerful picture of hypocrisy in scripture. Jesus says, you're like a whitewashed tomb. You're like a pretty expensive coffin. You look great on the inside, but in, or on the outside, but inside of you is just death. Just dry bones. Just dead bones. There's nothing alive inside of you. Verse 28, he says, in the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. God forbid that would be City Church. God forbid we would have a a fun service, a life-giving service. We'd come in here and worship energetically and excitedly, which by the way, worship the last couple of weeks has been fire, right? Like worship the last couple of weeks has been incredible. I'm so grateful for the presence of God moving in our worship. God forbid we would look like we've got something spiritual going on here, but inside we would be dead. God forbid that would be us. How do we keep that from happening? We deal with the masks. We deal with the masks. 
we deal with the mass. You see, my mask hurt me, they hurt you, and they hurt the kingdom. And so do yours. So what do we do if we have a mask? Well, last week we got to point one of the four points. We didn't make it very far, but there's four steps if we find ourselves wearing a mask, and most of us will, whether it's today or this week or this month, most of us in some situation, in some scenario, are going to recognize, hey, I'm projecting something about myself that isn't true. And I'm gonna share with you those four points, but I almost skipped it, I almost forgot it. I gotta talk to you about the avatar mask, today's mask, right? So we're gonna talk about these different kinds of masks each week. And so today I wanna talk about the avatar. Now, when you say the word avatar, you may think of this movie by James Cameron, which ripped off Dances with Wolves and said it with aliens, right? Um, That's not really what I'm talking about, even though it's like one of the highest grossing movies of all time, very popular, very successful, and it actually features a lot of people with blue faces, so we kind of look like that today. Uh, But I'm talking about an avatar, which is this graphical representation of self. I don't know if you guys experienced this part of quarantine life, but in May, Facebook unveiled a new feature called the Facebook avatar. And you were able to go in and create this digital version of you. And there's other companies who've done this before. It's just Facebook uh, made it very popular. Uh, And so now you can come in and you can react and you can have your little thumbs up emoji with your face and you can do all this stuff. And if you're doing that, this is fine. I'm not telling you to go home and like cancel your avatar, Uh, right? Like... (laughs) This is not cancel culture about your Facebook avatar. Um, what, what this is, 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 I'm using it metaphorically. You see, an avatar is this idealized picture of self. Now, I wanted to go in this week and create an avatar so I could show you for this message. And it turns out, I guess I missed the window. Facebook won't let you do it anymore. It told me that it's not available in our area. So discrimination against Mississippi. Thanks a lot, Zuckerberg. Uh, So I couldn't do a Facebook avatar, so I had to go use another website to put one together. So I I went to this, like, website and probably downloaded some viruses, but I got an avatar for you. Uh, So go ahead and put my avatar up. Uh, So I put this avatar together, which obviously looks exactly like me, right? Um, so, so let's talk about this. Uh, there, there's a few differences. First of all, his face is thinner than mine is. Uh, secondly, you, you may notice he has blue eyes. I had blue eyes when I was born, uh, and they did not last. A few months in, they changed, and I've been mad at God ever since. So in this version, as I got to play God, I gave myself my blue eyes back. Um, his hair is thicker than my hair is, right? It's lasted better through, through his young years and to his middle-aged years. His beard is thicker. My, so my hair used to be thick. Now it's not. My beard has never been thick, but in my avatar it is, right? Uh, and so his, his nose is straight. He's never had broken his nose and had to have surgery on it like I have. Uh, so there's a whole lot of things about him that I was able to clean up, Right? And, and I did this intentionally, obviously, uh, but this is what we do, isn't it? We create this idealized picture of us, and it may have some similarities to us. He has brown hair like I do. He's even wearing a green button-up shirt like I am, right? Like, there, there's some things where you can kind of, you squint just enough, maybe it kind of looks like it. But the reality is, this is an idealized picture of me. This is what I wish I looked like, right? This is what I wish my life was like. This is what we do, whether it's through social media or whether it's through just daily life. We create this picture for others that that we want people to associate these things with us. Man, I want you to think this is me. 
I want you to think that I look like this. I want you to think that I live this life. I want you to think that I have this together. And our generation, especially because of social media, because of technology, where we're behind screens so often, especially the last six months in quarantine, it almost becomes even worse because we can be whoever we want behind a screen. We can create whatever image we want. We can create whatever alternate reality we want and pretend that this is us. But there's no life in that. That's a whitewashed tomb. There's no reality. That's not who I am. And I'm not talking about go home and make your avatar fatter or with a receding hairline, right? Like, I don't care if you do those things. What I'm talking about is actually being real with who you are, with the people around you. You see, we lack in our generation authenticity. And Jesus is fully authentic. If we're going to wear his name, if we're going to be his followers, he does not ask us to be perfect. He does ask us to be real. And the world is starved for reality. The world is hungry to find something that is full of authenticity. See, the reality is people can see through that avatar, right? They realize that's not me. I could put that up there on Facebook. I could make that my profile picture. Nobody's going to be like, man, PT lost weight, right? Like, people know that's not who I am. And in the same way, we may fool people for a little while with our avatars, with the things that we project. But eventually, people get to know the real us. And they realize that's not who we're pretending to be. People are repelled by deceit. They're repelled by a lack of authenticity, but they're attracted to someone who's willing to be real and transparent. So what do you do if you see yourself wearing an avatar or you see yourself wearing one of these other masks? Next week, we're going to talk about the cover-up mask, how we have a blemish, a scar, an issue, whatever that might be, and we wear this mask to cover it up so that nobody knows. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, What if you find yourself wearing one of these masks? Uh, I hope and I pray one of the great things about this series, which by the way, this series was my, my wife's idea. So shout out to Melody for coming up with this concept. But one of my prayers is that you get to preach this to yourself all week because you got to put a mask on, right? And so as you're putting on masks, as you're actually living this thing out, hopefully God gets to continue this conversation with you. The Holy Spirit can remind you of the things that you've learned and the things that you're going through. I love that it's so relevant to the daily life that we're right now experiencing. So what do you do when you find yourself wearing a mask? Well, last week we said, number one, you got to get real with yourself, right? Before I can be authentic with anybody else, I have to be authentic with me. See, the danger of wearing a mask is I can wear a mask so long that I convince myself that I'm something that I'm not, right? And so sometimes I've actually fooled myself into thinking that I've got this level of spiritual supremacy to thinking that I've got this sin issue defeated when I really haven't, right? Like sometimes I can lie to myself. And so the first step is just being honest with me. The Bible is like a mirror. And so we look into the mirror of the word of God and we see what we really honestly look like. That's why it's so important, by the way, to be reading the Bible all week long. If the only time you look in a mirror is Sunday morning, you're probably going to look pretty jacked up by Thursday, right? Right. You're going to have some hairs going the wrong way. You're going to have some stuff going on. You're going to have some issues. And that's why you can't wait till next Sunday to come and hear the word again. 
right? We gotta, we gotta look into the mirror constantly and allow the Holy Spirit to show us where we're at. The first thing we gotta do is we gotta get real with ourselves. The second thing we gotta do is we gotta get real with God. We gotta get real with God. Here's one of the amazing things about God. He already knows right? He knew every act of hypocrisy you were going to have. He knew every inauthentic thing you were going to do. He knew every funk you were going to fake, and he sent his son Jesus to die in your place anyway. He chose to adopt you into his family anyway. He gave you his name as Christian anyway. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in you anyway. So you don't have to be fake with God. You are fully known by him. He already knows. And yet, sometimes we still try to put on this thing in front of him, don't we? How foolish are we? <laughs> you ever had your kid try to pretend to be, you know, they convince you, hey, I'm, I'm an astronaut. Uh, you know, I'm a cowboy. Like, you know, my daughter, she'll come up with this thing that she wants to be. And then you have to call her that thing. No, this is who I am, right? And, and it's cute, usually for a little while. And then it gets old. Uh, I wonder how many times we walk in front of God and we try to tell God we're something we're not. And he's like, okay, it's not cute anymore. Right? See, we can get real with him. We can be authentic with him because he already knows. One of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is real. Man, the psalmists are authentic. They are frustrated. They are angry. They are confused. God, your word says this, but this is what's happening. What's going on? Why, why does it feel like nothing is going the way it's supposed to go, right? The psalmists are very authentic. And so if you need some authenticity in your life, I would open the book of Psalms. And, man, just start praying through the things that you read and allow that to, to breathe into your life some new life. But we got to get real with God. Getting real with God doesn't just mean being honest with God, although that's a huge part of it. It also means confessing and repenting. You see, the power of forgiveness comes when we repent, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, everybody say all, all unrighteousness, right? When I, when I give it to him, he's faithful and just to take it right there, not after I've gotten it right for a month and now he says, okay, you've proven it, now I'm going to take it. Man, in that moment, in that moment of repentance, he says, yes, I'm taking your sin, it's nailed to the cross, it's, you're forgiven. Forgiveness is a powerful thing so grateful for a forgiving God. So we got to get real with him and receive his forgiveness. Number three, we got to get real with others. This is where it gets hard. See, getting real with yourself is one thing you already know, for the most part, who you really are. Sometimes you lie to yourself, but for the most part, you know yourself. Getting real with God is another thing because he already knows who you are. So those first two steps are easy. They're important. Easy doesn't mean they don't matter. They have to happen. The third one is where it gets tough. Because getting real with others means I've got to be open and honest about the change, about the deception, about the dishonesty, about the stuff that I was projecting that wasn't real. This is where it gets tough. But you know what the Bible says in the book of James? It says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. You see, I go to God for forgiveness, and I thank God for forgiveness. Forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing. But I go to others with my stuff for healing. You see, there's something that happens when I bring that thing out of the dark and I bring it into the light that allows healing to come into my life. You see, masks and lies, deception, they create a sickness inside me. 
And the only recipe for healing is to bring it into the light. And God, in his infinite wisdom, chose for us to find that healing not in him, but in others. See, nobody else can forgive my sin, only him. I go to him only for forgiveness. But I go to others for healing. You see, that's the power that he put in his church. I don't mean city church, I mean the church of Jesus Christ, right? The, the followers of Jesus. That's the power he put in us is we actually have the power to bring healing into one another's lives. But it only happens when we bring that stuff out of the dark and into the light. Get real with others. It's hard. It's scary. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily you share with everybody everything. There's certain things that, man, only need to go to certain people, and you can allow the Holy Spirit to help you discern through that. But don't make the mistake that I've made many times, and that mistake is simply I'm just going to give this thing to God and then move on. He's designed for us to bring it out to other people. That's why it's so important to be in a small group. Man, to have other believers that you're doing life with. That's why it's so important to be serving in a ministry, to have other people around you that you can trust, that you see, hey, these people, they're not out to hurt me. They're not out to get me, but I can actually come out and bring this thing into the light. You confess to one another that you may be healed. And that healing breaks the power of the lie. It breaks the power of the deception. It breaks the power of the mask. So get real with yourself, get real with God, get real with others. And then lastly, keep taking off the mask. See, the problem is we're really good at putting this thing back on, aren't we? We're really good about bringing something out and dealing with it. And then it's like, oh, well, I didn't get total victory over that. I actually fell back and I did it again. Well, I don't want them to know that I did it again because I already gave a testimony to church and told them I got this thing beat. So now they can't know that I'm still struggling with it. So I put the mask right back on. And the enemy puts me right back where I was. Or or maybe we take the mask off and we bring it out and we share it in in, in a setting and, and somebody gossips about it. Or somebody hurts us with it. We go through a situation at church. So many of us have church hurt, right? We have church scars. And and that church scar, now the enemy uses that scar to help me keep the mask on. Well, you don't need to get real with anybody, because you remember what happened last time. Right? And the enemy's so good at keeping us in a mask. Why? Because he knows how powerful freedom is when you take it off. He knows how suffocating this thing is. Right? When you get out of church this morning, you get out to the car, wherever you take your mask off, you're going to be like, man, that fresh air feels good. Right? Like there's just something when you get to take the mask off. And I think that same feeling It's very powerful spiritually, man, when we take the mask off. The enemy wants to deprive you of that. He wants to keep putting you in a mask. You see, Jesus has invited us. In fact, he's called us as his followers to take up our cross daily and follow him. And here's what I believe. I believe I can either take a cross or I can take a mask, but I can't take both. That each day I get the choice. Am I putting on my mask or am I taking up my cross? And if I truly want to take up my cross and follow him, it requires me to lay down my mask. And so my invitation for you, my call to you, my challenge to you today through this series in your life is daily take this thing off. Because it's going to creep back on. It's going to find its way back onto your face. Daily take off your mask. Daily get real with the people in your life. Daily allow people in to see your, your hopes, your dreams, your, your failures, and your shames. Daily allow people in. Because the world is starved for authenticity. The church 
has to be a safe place for us to struggle. It has to be a safe place for us to take these masks off. It has to be a place where we can help each other remove the masks and find the healing that only comes when we confess to one another. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me today as we get ready to close in prayer? If you're getting baptized today, you can go ahead and slip out and get changed. We'll be with you here in just a couple minutes. We get to celebrate this amazing moment. Father God.